Welcome to the Word of God with Father Reed Hensling at All Saints Episcopal Church in Lakeland, Florida. We're looking this week at the 16th Sunday after Pentecost, the 16th Sunday after Pentecost, proper 20. And we'll be looking at Esther in the Old Testament. Esther is after Ezra Nehemiah. And then there's Esther. Esther was a queen. It's a beautiful reading that saved Israel because uh, there was a desire from a very terrible person that wanted to destroy the Jewish people. And Esther saved them. It was a wonderful, miraculous turn of events there. So Esther, we'll be looking at chapter 3, verse 1 through chapter 8. Then we're still in the book of Acts. We're in Acts 18 and 19, 18 and 19, and the book of Luke. We are in Luke. We have completed um, Matthew, and we are now in the book of Luke. So let's begin by looking at Esther chapter 3. Now that's in the Old Testament after Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, and then Esther. Esther will come in before Job. And of course, Job, Psalm, Proverbs. Okay, that's kind of where all these readings are. Esther was made queen in chapter 2. In chapter 3, remember that person that I talked about? His name is Haman. Haman. He was given a seat of honor higher than that of all the other nobles. Chapter 3, verse 1. And all the royal officials of the king's gate knelt down and paid honor to Haman, for the king had commanded this concerning him. But Mordecai, a Jewish man, would not kneel down or pay him honor. And, of course, he was asked, why do you disobey? He refused to comply. Haman, of course, was very upset. This is on Sunday's reading. Very upset, enraged. And he looked for a way to destroy all of Mordecai's people, the Jews, throughout the whole kingdom of Xerxes. Okay, this is very serious. Very serious. We are talking about the Persians at this point. Okay, the Persians were in control. All right? And so, um, there's a very wonderful verse in verse 10. The king took the signet ring off his finger and gave it to Haman, who was an enemy of the Jews, the Bible says. Keep the money and do with the people as you please. So, Mordecai is in big trouble and pleads and persuades Esther to help in chapter 4. In chapter 4. He told him to urge her to go into the king's presence to beg for mercy and plead with her people. Well, you'd think, well, that's an easy thing to do. Well, it's actually not an easy thing to do. And she famously says in chapter 4, four verse 14, If you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. And who knows, but that you may have come to royal position for such a time as this. Very famous term for such a time as this. That God was raising up Esther, Queen Esther, who became the queen, as we said last week, 
to save the Jewish people who certainly would have died. Esther sent this reply to Mordecai. Go gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, nights, and I and the maids, my maids, will fast as you do. When this is all done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. You did not have permission to just go and see the king. It was a very scary thing to do. And the king could have killed her by coming into his presence. So on the third day, chapter 5, we're on Tuesday. She puts on the royal robe. She stands in the inner court of the palace. The king is seated on his throne. He sees Queen Esther standing in the court. He holds out the gold scepter that was in his hand. Very important. He touches, she touches the tip of the scepter. What is it, Queen Esther? What is your request? Even to half the kingdom, I will be given you. It will be given to you. If it please the king, let the king, together with Haman, come today to a banquet I've prepared. So she's inviting them to a banquet. Bring Haman at once so that we could do what Esther asks. And that's what happened in chapter 5, verses 1 to 14. Now Haman went out happy, and he saw Mordecai. Mordecai did not give him any honor. He was filled with rage against Mordecai, chapter 5, verse 9. Haman restrained himself and went home. And Haman boasted about his vast wealth. He's not a very nice person. He's not a very nice person. Haman is not a very nice person. And Mordecai is not following him, but Haman wants to get Mordecai back. So Queen Esther invites them to accompany the king. His wife says, have a gallows built 75 feet high and ask the king in the morning to have Mordecai hanged on it. So he, Haman, was going to have Mordecai killed. Have Mordecai killed. So the king then go with the king to the dinner and be happy. So he had the gallows built. Chapter 6, on Wednesday. That night the king couldn't sleep. What honor and recognition has Mordecai received for something that he had done that was very significant? Nothing. So Haman goes and talks to the king. What shall be done for the man who the king delights to honor? And the person he wants to honor is Mordecai. So Haman got his robe and his horse, and he robed Mordecai in chapter 6, verse 11, led him on horseback through the streets. And Mordecai was honored by the king. In chapter 7, on Thursday, the king and Haman go to dine with Queen Esther. And they were drinking wine on the second day. The king says, Queen Esther, what is your petition? It will be given you. What is your request? Even half half of the kingdom. Queen Esther said, If I have found favor with you, O king, and if it pleases your majesty, give me my life. This is my petition. And spare my people. This is my request. Chapter 7, verse 4. For I and my people have been sold for destruction, for slaughter and annihilation. Haman was going to destroy the Jewish people. If we had merely been sold as male and female slaves, I would have been kept quiet, but because no such distress would justify disturbing the king. Who is he? 
Who is this man, the king says? The adversary and enemy is this vile Haman, verse 6 of chapter 7. Haman was terrified. The king got up in a rage, left his wine, went out into the palace guard. Haman, realizing the king had already decided his fate, stayed behind to beg Queen Esther for his life. Just as the king returned, Haman was falling on the couch where Esther was reclining. The king exclaimed, Will he even molest the queen while she is with me in the house? A gallows, someone said, 75 feet high, stands by Haman's house. He made it for Mordecai, who spoke up to help the king. The king said, hang him on it. So they hanged Haman on the gallows he had prepared for Mordecai. Then the king's fury subsided. It's a fabulous story, people, a fabulous story. And then finally, in chapter 8 on Friday, we have the edict on behalf of the Jews. The king extended the gold scepter to Esther, and she arose and stood before him. And the Jewish people were spared. Read the rest of that. On Saturday, we have the reading from Hosea, so we'll pick that up next week. Chapter 1, Hosea is a fabulous chapter. It's the first of the 12 minor prophets at the end of the Old Testament. The last 12 books of the Old Testament are what we call the minor prophets. Before that is the major prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel. Let's go to Acts chapter 18. We continue with Paul's journey in Acts. Enjoy, Esther. I think it's a beautiful, again, read it slowly. Enjoy the text. I'm looking forward to reading it. Acts chapter 18. Now, what's going on now is Paul is on a journey, and he's visiting all these high-powered places. He left Athens and went to Corinth. Remember, we had the Areopagus where he spoke last week. And we have the Jew named Aquila. And we have this extraordinary relationship. And, of course, he writes Corinthians. And the 18th chapter is about Priscilla, Aquila, and Apollos. And, again, it's about his travels. It's about what he says. It's about him teaching the Word of God. It's about him discipling people. Luke gives us a history. Read verse 28 of chapter 18. For he vigorously refuted the Jews in public debate, proving from the scriptures that Jesus was the Christ. So Paul was a fantastic teacher, preacher, discipler. Wonderful knowledge of the scriptures and was sharing with them. Then he goes to Ephesus in the famous 19th chapter, which we find on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. When he goes to Ephesus and there's a riot in Ephesus at the end of the chapter. Again, we are looking at the journeys of Paul. We are looking at what he said. We are looking at his preaching. We're looking at his soliloquies, if you were, if you, uh, if you please. We're also looking at how he dealt with um, foes, enemies, people that tried to destroy him, as you'll see in the 19th chapter. And then on Sunday, Saturday, we have the 20th chapter, verses 1 through 16, where Eutychus is raised from the dead. And then he has this wonderful farewell to the Ephesian elders at the end of 20, uh, chapter 20. Again, another very 
powerful uh, word from Paul and a timeless word from Paul uh, that we will look at uh, in the following week. Now we go to the gospel reading in Luke, and we are beginning the gospel of Luke. And of course, the first two chapters are about that we celebrate during Christmas time, the birth of Christ, the birth of John the Baptist, the birth of Christ, the birth of John the Baptist. And then we have the ministry of John the Baptist, which starts in the third chapter. Now, remember in Matthew, we started with a chronology, a genealogy, I should say, I'm sorry, a genealogy, and then we go into the birth of Jesus, and then we go into the Magi and the fleeing to Egypt, the return from Egypt after Herod dies, and the beginning of the ministry of John the Baptist in chapter 3. In Luke, we have the, the, beginning, of John, uh, the beginning ministry of John the Baptist in chapter 3 also, where we have, remember, John uh, baptizes Jesus, and we see that in verses 21 through 22. Very two very short verses there. We have the baptism, and prior to the baptism, John the Baptist is preparing people for the coming of Jesus Christ. He is preparing them for his advent, his appearing, his coming. And what, what is supposed to happen is as John prepares them, people are ready to receive the word of the Lord. They are ready to hear the word of the Lord. They are ready to respond to the word of the Lord based on John's work. And so in chapter 4, Jesus begins his ministry. Um, He begins his ministry. He's tempted by the devil for 40 days and 40 nights. Remember that famous teaching in Mark chapter 1? Mark's only got a couple of verses but also in chapter 4 of Matthew. And we have the wonderful temptations of Satan, and Jesus is dealing with those. And we find that on Wednesday. On Thursday, we look at the beginning of his ministry, and he goes to a synagogue. He quotes something from a text, a scripture from Isaiah, and he says, Today... Verse 21, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And we see the fulfillment of himself as the Messiah. These are the readings on Thursday. And they don't like it. They take him to the brow of the hill, and they were going to throw him down a cliff, but he walked through them. So right at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, they were trying to kill him because he, in effect, was saying that he was the Messiah, and that the famous Isaiah scriptures, which is about 700 B.C., 700 B.C., Jesus says they're being fulfilled in him. And they thought that he was being blasphemous, so they were going to kill him. And, of course, he wasn't going to die because his time was not yet. And then finally, in chapter 4, 31 to 37, and then 38 to 44, Jesus drives out an evil spirit, and he heals many people. Again, he's beginning his ministry. And much like Acts in Acts 18, 19, and 20, we see the journey of Jesus. And we have some geographical information. We have some sociological information. But also we have some theology. We have some teaching. We have relationships that Paul has with the people that are with him, the people that are accompanying him, and the people that he's ministering to. Same thing with Jesus. We're having Jesus deal with the needs of the people of God. 
we're having them Jesus deal with the ministry that he's been called to accomplish. After successfully dealing with the devil, he goes to his hometown. He's rejected there. They try to kill him. He begins to go to Capernaum, a town in Galilee. He teaches the people in chapter 4, verse 31. He casts out a demon from a person. He goes to Simon's mother-in-law's house. She has a fever. He rebukes it. She's, she's healed. And then he says, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns. This is why I was sent. Verse 43. So, in summary, we have Esther who saved a nation. So if there's no Jewish people, there's no Messiah. If there's no Messiah, there's no salvation. If there's no salvation, we all go to hell. We cannot keep the law. We need someone to die for our sins. We need the grace of God to practice repentance and to follow Christ. So as Esther is very poignant there. In Acts, we see, of course, post-resurrection events and how the gospel went out from the disciples, the profound turnaround on the road to Damascus from Paul, Acts chapter 9, and then his subsequent three missionary journeys. And finally, the beginning of Luke's gospel, starting in chapter 3, we find the beginning of his ministry, and it doesn't go well at the beginning. But then after he walks through the crowd, he begins his ministry of about three years. So enjoy your reading. Lord God, we thank you for the word of God. May all the persons that hear this teaching rejoice in the word of God, enjoy the word of God, care for the word of God, listen to the word of God, and act accordingly in their daily lives to the word of God. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we pray. God bless you and have a wonderful week of reading the word of God.